0: Welcome to the Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Currensville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Currensville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.currensvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from the Heart Zone, here's George. All right, folks, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn to a classic passage of Scripture concerning the resurrection and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so this really is the high point of all that we believe is this celebration, Easter. This is why the church for centuries now has, has gathered together focused on one thing not just the crucifixion of Jesus which we would focus on on Good Friday and that crucifixion being paying the penalty for our sin but the reality of the fact that he's alive today because you can know that your sins are forgiven why not just because I tell you that but because Jesus is alive and he was seen by many people in fact at the beginning of chapter 15, if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, you just kind of glance down there with me, it gives you a credo statement. Paul is listing here a statement that was very common among the early church, and they would repeat this, affirming the reality of the resurrection. Here's what he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you reached and in which you stand. By which you are also saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, which I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted The church of God. And this is the credo statement. This statement goes back all the way to the very beginning. It's the testimony of those who saw him alive. And that reality of Jesus being alive needs to impact our lives. Because everything you believe about God, the fact that you would believe that he would answer a prayer for you. The fact that he would say, I will give you wisdom or strength no matter what you're going through. The fact that when you stumble and fall and sin, you know that there is forgiveness. Or when you're facing death, you realize, yes, there is a hope beyond this world. It's because Jesus is alive. It's not just because he died, but if he didn't come out of the grave, it would just be mere words. In fact, that's the point that he goes on and To do the next section of 1 Corinthians 15 and says that all that we would believe is in vain and we're to be pitied if we didn't believe he raised from the dead. But see, there's a problem. The problem is today that while we know that and affirm that, and that's why we're here, George, that's why I'm here to celebrate Easter and that Jesus is alive, can I be honest with you? We lose focus. I lose focus, you lose focus. Why do we do that? A couple of things here. While we affirm the truth of Easter, we're not really affected by it. On this day, we would affirm the reality that Jesus is alive, but if you were to think about it as far as what happens the rest of this week, or let's say six months from now, it doesn't impact our daily lives. We we really don't, grasp the reality that he's alive because we don't expect him to be alive in our lives we don't expect him to show up in the midst of our circumstances in the midst of our situations and in the midst of our difficulties and be there with us and so the reality is is that we lose focus oh we can affirm it if somebody asked a bible question we can answer it We can convey the truth to one another. Yes, Jesus is alive, but is that real for you and I today? Probably not. Well, I thought Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. Yes, but he said, I'm going away, but I'm sending another comforter to be with you and in you. The Holy Spirit. To guide you and direct you just as he did. And it's all because he's alive. So we lose focus. Here's the second thing. Because the reality of the resurrection is lost to us, we tend to drift spiritually. If you don't have an overwhelming sense in your life that Jesus is alive, when you get up in the morning and you are awake and you're wondering, what am I doing? Is it, oh no, it's, I gotta get up? Can't I sleep in a little bit more? But beyond those initial thoughts, if the reality doesn't hit you that you're alive, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? Will you be with me as I face the things that I'm facing? You're going to drift spiritually. If it's all about you and how you're going to face life and Jesus doesn't enter into that equation, you're going to drift spiritually. And what I find is, is that we have a lot of folks who are believers, but they're adrift why because they lose fact of the reality that god is alive jesus is alive and he wants to interact in our lives and so that's what we're going to talk about today i've entitled this message it happened it happened what happened jesus rose from the dead it happened and every day should be impacted by that why Because he's going to tell you some things that are our hope. He's going to tell you some things that should help you to see the reality of why it is so important that we celebrate Easter. So now I want you to look again with me at verse 20 of chapter 15. We're going to look through verse 28. Here's what he says. Now he's saying this right after he's saying to them, That if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, we of all people are the most pitiful people in this world. But here's what he says. He's affirming a truth here. Here's what he starts out with. But now Christ is risen from the dead. That's the truth. Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and after those who are Christ at his coming. And then, the, then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of, to God the Father, When he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he has put all things under him is accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who has put all things under him, that God may be all in all. All right, well, let's take a look here. What are we going to see here? We're going to basically divide this passage up into two main sections. We're going to see, first of all, the victory. When we talk about Easter, we're talking about a victory. And it's not just the victory that Jesus achieved. It's the victory that applies to every one of us here today, okay? The victory. Then, after looking at the victory, we're going to see the future hope. The fact that we celebrate Easter isn't just that, oh, I'm I'm forgiven, thank you, Lord, you rose from the dead, I have all of that. It also gives you a future hope. Because he's going to bring everything to an end, but you're going to be a part of it. So let's take a look at it. First, the victory. Notice with me, verse 20. Here's what he says. Affirming the reality of the resurrection, he says this. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep is a term that is used in the New Testament to refer to those who have died in Christ. They're not dead and completely gone. They're just fallen asleep. It's not a soul sleep type of thing. It's just the way that he is referencing to the fact that one day we'll see them again when we are with Jesus. And so he's referring to the reality here that Christ is the first fruits among those who have fallen asleep. Now, what's the point he's getting to? You and I, we're going to see this first aspect of the victory. And here it is. Jesus' resurrection is the first of many to come. It's the first of many to come. And what does that mean, George? The first fruits. Well, the first fruits is an agricultural term. It's kind of like the first part of the harvest of whatever tree or plant you have. The first fruits. It's the first tomatoes off the vine. Some of you are gardeners. You're getting ready to get ready to plant your tomato plants. And you're anticipating what? The first fruits. And by the way, a tomato is a fruit, right? I think it's a vegetable, but I'm wrong. Okay? It's a fruit. It's not my favorite fruit, unless it's in pasta sauce. Okay? So, but here's the thing. He's the first fruits. He's the first of many. What many? Those who have died in Christ. And you and I, when we die in Christ. So think about this. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus, who was dead, rose from the dead. Now, that can open up in your mind all kinds of unusual thoughts. Well, how's that possible? How did that take place? The scripture doesn't tell us how it takes place. It just tells you it took place. And he who was dead is now alive. And now that he is alive, he had some sort of body that was different than the body he had before. Yes, they could feel him. Yes, they could see the scars in his hands and in his side. But he appeared in the middle of a room that was locked. Told him, peace be to you, because they would obviously be freaked out by the presence of Jesus there. And the reality is, Paul is saying to us here, that victory that he had over death in that new glorified body, that's the victory you'll have. That's the victory you'll have. How do you know that George? Well if you go you don't you don't need to go with me if you go over to first Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul talking to the Thessalonians who who by the way were worried thinking that those who had died in Christ had somehow missed the coming of, of, of the Messiah. He says to them in a passage that we know that speaks about the rapture, but it's giving you an idea about the resurrection as well. He says this. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Isn't that a term we used already? Okay. Here's what he says. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. See, Easter provides us hope. What does he say here? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who, what? Sleep in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with him. That's the rapture passage. And that's the passage that describes the resurrection. And so when you go back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is telling us here that he is the first fruits. His resurrection is just the beginning of many resurrections, which, folks, can I be honest with you? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to experience that at some point. What if I die? Well, we just read in Thessalonians. Death isn't going to hold you back from that experience. We'll all be raised up together. That's the awesome thing about the victory. Here it is. Look with me now at verse 21 and 22. Here's the next thing I want you to see. We kind of talked about this when we went through Romans chapter 5. If you know we're normally going through Romans in our normal series. Here's what he says. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. What's he talking about here? Just as death affected humanity through Adam, Jesus brought life. Jesus brought you life. Just like when Adam sinned in the garden, that affected all humanity to where now we are all subject to death. Through one man, his resurrection, he's brought us all life. Death is not something you need to be afraid of. Death is just the passing away of this body unto the next body. Well, you will be with him forever. That is the victory. That is the thing that we hold on to. And then finally, here's what he says about Christ's victory. Look with me at verse 23. This is the awesome thing. But each one in his own order christ the first fruits and afterwards those who are christ at his coming here's what he says the reality of our victory will be experienced at Jesus' second coming the victory isn't just now so many of us think it's now oh i'm forgiven i have hope no the ultimate victory is when he comes for you at his coming when he establishes his kingdom. And that's the powerful thing about Easter, is that he told you it was going to be this way, and you know it is. Why? Because he's alive. And you're going to experience it with him yourself one day. So with that, Paul shifts to the reality of the resurrection, giving us a future hope. Now, why why is that important? Well, you know what, we, we live in interesting times right now. Have you noticed that? It, it's very, very depressing to turn on the news. It, it's, it's, real, I mean, it's almost better not to turn on the news. Just find a station that all they play is music, okay? Because it, it's just very depressing because you look at this and you think, man, what is it? What do we need to do? Where are we going from here? And and you just struggle, and you struggle, and, and the reality is, is that for you and I as believers, you have a hope. That no matter what happens to you in our world, and even in our nation, around us, what you're holding on to isn't what happens right now. And if that's where you're holding on to, you need to hold on loosely, because that's no matter where you are politically or spectrumally wise or what you're thinking, that's always fraught with disappointment. Why? Because you're dealing with human beings. But if you're looking beyond human beings to the one who loves you and who died for you, there's hope there. Why? Well, he's going to tell us why here. Look, first of all, at verse 24 and 25. Here's what he says. Then comes the end. Then he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Now here's the first thing about the future hope. Okay, Here's what he says. Jesus will establish his kingdom as the ultimate authority in this world. In our world he's going to establish himself as the ultimate authority. Because here's the thing, can I be honest with you? You know, before I chose theology as my brand of study, and even as I was very much an engineering student at the University of South Carolina over 30 years ago, I was always interested in human history, world history, and so forth. And the fact is, is while we can say this country has a great system and that country has a great system or not a great system and that's a terrible system, the problem is is all systems of our world are created by humans, including our system. And the problem with all systems is that because they're created by humans, they're not perfect. And because you're dealing with human beings who are corrupted, all systems become What? Corrupt. Period. It doesn't matter. Why? Because it's not the system that's the problem, it's the human beings who are guiding the system who are the problem. And so no matter where you land, anywhere as far as your focus of how things should be operating in the world today, you're always going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed with authority. You're going to be disappointed with rules and with laws. And you're going to be disappointed with the directions of everything. But there's going to come a time when you're not going to be disappointed anymore. Because all authority is not going to be in our hands, it's going to be in whose hands? The Jesus who's risen. The Jesus who's going to come back and establish his kingdom. And oh, by the way, if you think that when he comes back, he's going to do it the way you think it should be done, let me just kind of tell you, uh, that ain't how it works. Because his ways are higher than our ways. And he's actually more compassionate than you realize. But what he operates in his government and his authority is perfect. So that's the first thing of the future hope. Is that when we looked at our messed up world. We know that one day there's somebody coming to what? Make it right again. And why do you think the scripture says that when he rules there's a thousand years of peace? Because he's the one who's in charge. That's a hope. Now how do I know that that's going to happen? Because of Easter because of the resurrection and that he's alive. Here's the second thing he tells us. This one should resonate with every one of us here. You could take that first one and you say, I don't know, George, I don't know. That really doesn't affect me. Great, that's wonderful. No, no, but the second one affects us. Look at what he says, verse 26. And ponder this. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Yeah, it does affect us all, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it affects us all. You know, and and the fact is, is that I mourn my loved ones who have passed on. I mourn those who I love who are dying now. I hate death. And the reality is, is that we can't escape it. It is the plight of humans, isn't it? The only one who is the exception is Jesus, and that's what we're celebrating today, right? is that he rose from the dead and gained victory over death. And and the reality is, is that when he comes to establish his kingdom, and when he puts all things under his authority, he says, this is what our hope is, is that one day death will be done away with. Isn't that awesome? Because we hate it. We don't want to deal with it. And and, you know, can can I be honest with you? If somebody tells you that you just need to get over it after a little bit, just blow them off. Just tell them to get lost, okay? Can I tell you why? You never get over it when somebody you love dies. You never get over it. The pain deadens, but it's still there. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. It is our enemy, right? It's not just the sin I do that defeats me. It's the reality of what's facing me at some point. And there's the scary thing about it. The scary thing is, we don't know when that is, right? I'll I'll never forget. I'm getting ready. Madison and Foster were small and, and I was getting ready to take them to a football game at Kerwinsville here. And right before we go, I get the phone call that my brother, who is 11 and a half months younger than I, I'm 39 facing 40. My brother, who was an investigator with the Sheriff's Department in Columbia, South Carolina, I get the phone call that he died of a massive heart attack. And I'm in shock. And I just told the kids, I'm going to take you to the football game. And I go to the football and I'm, I'm, I'm in shock. And here I am, 57. Eighteen years later, and I still miss him. That's death. We hate it. But the reality is, the hope we have is that the thing that we hate the most, the enemy that we hate the most, Jesus will deal with. How do I know he'll deal with it? Well, if you go over to Revelation chapter 20, I want you to listen to what John, the revelator, the apostle John writes In a very, very powerful revelation. Here's what he says. The sea gave up the dead, verse 15, and who were in it. Death and Hades were delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his work. And here it is. Death and Hades. What's Hades? Hell. Death and hell were what? Cast into the lake of fire. That's the end of it. The thing that entered in through one man, Adam, which has haunted us till that point and grieves us and hurts us and affects every one of us. One day our hope is what? Because Jesus is alive. What? It'll be done. It'll be gone. That, my friends is the hope we have. But he brings up one more point here. One more point. Look with me at verse 27 and 28 now, back in 1 Corinthians. He says this. For he has put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under him, if it it is evident that he will put all things under him, is accepted. Accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So here it is. The ultimate end of Christ's work is that God is glorified. That's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. What do you mean? How's that my hope? Because one day, here's what it says when you go over to Revelation chapter 21. It talks about the new Jerusalem coming down. We're going to be in that city. It also says that God will dwell with us and that we will see his face. And can I tell you what's going to be on your mind when you see God? Thanks. Thanks. because the hope that you had has come to what? Fruition? There'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more difficulties, no more struggles. Why? Because one man rose from the dead and told us that something better is in front of us. And he's just the first of many. And who's the many? You and I who believe, who trust, and who hold on. See, here's the thing you've got to come to a place where you understand Easter is more than just one Sunday a week, folks. For you and I as believers, Easter is every day. Now, that doesn't mean go go to the local Dollar General or Walmart and buy a a stock of all the Cadbury eggs to make sure you have one for every day, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. That's trivial. Forget that. Easter is for every day. Why? Because Jesus is alive. And that means something for you and I. Why? Because you're not alone. He is with you, in you, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he gives you a hope that even the things that you fear, like death, are meaningless. Because you have him. And ultimately because of that, God is glorified. In you having him and having victory. Let me pray for you.